Welcome back to another episode of Finding Faith with your host, Ian Alexander Tash. Today, we're going to be doing an interview with Pastor Al Gascon of Christ Church of the Valley here in Bakersfield, California. I'd like to start this episode off by telling a little story, a story about myself. It was 2018. I was going through an incredibly rough period of my life. I had been recently going through some personal crises and relational crises when I came across a random news article recommended by my iPhone's news feed. It was an article about how different things in popular culture, such as superheroes, zombie movies, etc., pointed towards the existence of God. Out of curiosity, I read the article and intrigued by what I read, decided I would go ahead and buy the book. Buy the book I did. At the end of this period of crisis, I knew that I needed to find a new place of belonging, a new place to start fresh. And so, I decided to go to the closest church near me, in the place where I was currently living. I wanted to see what this new place was like and what was probably going to be my latest journey. I saw that they had a big sign out front that they were starting an entire series in Genesis. Turns out it was their very first sermon in this Genesis series. And the person who I shook hands with, who told me he was the pastor of this church, was a very familiar man. A man who had written a news article and later a book that I had bought. A man whom I would listen to that day and find him incredibly intelligent, be very impressed with his willingness to research out words and phrases and the original context in which things were written, who didn't seem like a rube, but a scholar, someone that I would like to have lead this next phase of my life. He's a man that I worked alongside for many years, both as a volunteer in his congregation and as an employee for his church. That man is not Pastor Al Cascon, but it was at Christ Church of the Valley here in Bakersfield, California. That man was Dr. Rick Stedman, who worked at this church for many years. And in fact, I had already become a member and was part of the hiring process taking part in a vote to officially hire him on as pastor. He was only an interim when I first started going and met him for this Genesis series. I'd like to think that I had a pretty decent relationship with him, working-wise especially, and then he retired. Our church was without a pastor for almost a year. We had a rotating crew of people, mostly people that already worked in the church or had some sort of ministerial role, But sometimes some guest speakers had come in as well. But ultimately, you could kind of see that there was no one person running the ship at this point. At least, not in any sort of direct way that the people could understand. We needed a new pastor. And that new pastor finally came. In Pastor Al Gascon. And I overall liked his first sermon. Maybe a couple theological points I could have pressed a little bit harder on, but ultimately, though, I thought it was decent. 
the more he'd come around, the more it seemed like, hey, maybe this guy could be someone that our church could really benefit from. Who knows? Ultimately, our church must have thought so as well, because it offered him the position. And he was willing to accept it. We had a big old vote about it. I will admit, I took place in that vote, and everyone knows my answer, because it was a unanimous yes. There was not a single no in the entire body of membership in our congregation. He became our new pastor. It's been a bit of time now since he was first elected in. A year hasn't passed or anything like that. He's now more settled in than he was when we first elected him in. He wasn't even living in town at that time. But now, he and his family have integrated into Bakersfield, integrated into our church, and he's preached a few sermon series now. He's even been running a bunch of other things as well, including college ministry, a ministry that I had worked very closely in for a lot of my time there at the church. And so, ultimately, despite my relationship with this church, and despite the interactions that I've had with him, I ultimately still have a somewhat fresh understanding of who he is. And so, I want to be upfront about this. This is currently my home church until I'm led somewhere else. And this man is currently my pastor, the head of organization that I used to work at. And yes, I do no longer work there at that church. I'd voluntarily stepped out from my position long before he had even been voted in. But still, I volunteer at this church still, see him all the time, I've even shared lunch with him. I want to be upfront about this. I don't want people to think that I'm propping him up or trying to get people specifically to come to the church that I currently go to. I did this interview just like I did every other interview. Whether I know the person or not, there's still a lot more I can learn. And this was ultimately about my own curiosity and to help other people who maybe don't know this person at all get a better understanding of who Al is, what his faith is like, what his congregation is like, and ultimately what he values. This is the goals that I have for every single interview that I've done. And so, ultimately, I hope that you take my interactions with Al with a grain of salt Ultimately, think about them as you would think about anyone else that I interview. With that said, thank you again for tuning in to this episode of Finding Faith, and I hope you enjoy the interview. My name is Pastor Al Gascon. I am the senior pastor at Christ Church of the Valley here in Bakersfield, California. Not associated with the other big CCBs around the country, but yeah, I've been in ministry for what? on and off for about 10 years, everything from teaching to teen challenge to pastoral ministry. So that's been, it's not what I thought I was going to do, but that's the plan that God had for me. So. <laughs> Ain't that how it would be sometimes? <laughs> and yes, I know you, you mentioned the other CCBs, and I cannot tell you how many times I've tried to get to our churches. So I'm sorry, and Apple or Google will think, oh, you mean this other church, don't you? It's like, no, I mean the one in my city, but well, well thank you. The one in Arizona? No. The one in San Dimas? No. Yeah. Not that one. Yeah. <laughs> so on the topic, though, 
let's let's shift over to that. What would you describe as the faith tradition of Christ Church of the Valley? The faith tradition of Christ Church of the Valley is rooted in the Stone Campbell movement. But I would say, you know, just basic restoration movement, there's no sort of like tracing it back to, you know, Justin Martyr or any of those guys. But uh, I would say that's our faith tradition going all the way back. It started as, well, our church started as a, a Sunday school, which they didn't realize that, oh, adults want to hear the word of God too. So <laughs> right. from there, a church was born. I'm trying to remember the whole history of it, but yeah, it started as a, a Sunday school ministry for children and teaching them the word of God that eventually... I think it was just a few volunteers from various churches got together to form a Sunday school ministry. And then from there, spawned a church. Uh, I want to say that was in the 40s or 50s. I'm not quite too sure on that time frame. I should find that out since we have a membership class coming up. So I'm going to go back and look on my notes on that. But yeah, from there, it became a church that has moved locations twice in the city of Bakersfield. And now we're currently on the west side of Bakersfield. I didn't live up here, but apparently was uninhabited <laughs> when they moved over here. But now it's starting to become more of the central part of Bakersfield as things move west. I wouldn't say that there's been any sort of theological tradition that's varied off of the non-denominational, you know, way of, of Christianity. You know, it's not like it's been heading towards Reformed theology or moving towards liberal theology. It's been pretty, you know, non-denominational, theologically focused for who knows how long. Far longer than I've been here, so. And far longer than you've probably been here, too, so. Yes, as listeners will know from the introduction, I have been a part of this church since 2018. And so I have a bit of history with this church, but... For the sake of our listeners, though, I do think maybe a little bit of an extra definition might be helpful. What exactly is the Restorationist and Stone Count Bell movement to you? To me, it was really a movement to almost get rid of the denominational lines. And from what I remember, it was a denomination. It was a movement to stop the separation, to bring unity to the church again. And to really take down the lines of, hey, Lutheranism or Wesleyan thought or things like that, not to really berate or barrage them or take down any sort of theological indifferences, but to really bring unity. And what ended up happening was it almost became like non-denomination became its own denomination in a sense. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't say that it was something that, you know, failed in a sense, but, you know, to this day, we still have denominations. We still have the lines. We still have things like that. We still have indifferences on baptism, indifferences on the gifts of the Spirit, little things like that that I don't think will go away unless there's a very harsh persecution of the church in the West. I think those lines will fade away pretty quickly if there's a persecution. And I think Baptists and Westlands and Lutherans and West and everything, maybe not well, Pentecostals too. I think all those lines will gradually fade away and everyone will go back to believing the simple gospel if or when a persecution actually does hit the West in a severe way. Let's shift it back to the, the church itself right now, Christ Church of the Valley. 
as I will have mentioned in the intro, you have started earlier this year as part of Christ Church in the Valley. And earlier in describing the faith tradition, you told a lot of the history of this church that you've been made aware of at this time. But let's focus on the here and now and the, the going forward. What can you tell listeners who may be interested in either attending or at least learning more about what this church is and does? I'll phrase it in a way that, you know, that the best way that I could possibly think to phrase it. There are no plans of my own to turn this place into a mega church to make it all about getting butts and seats. If growth occurs, which happens at a healthy church, that's great. That's fantastic. There's no plan on this place ever becoming a, a grand 5,000 place amphitheater, you know, seating 5,000 people a service or, you know, I don't even know if our property is big enough for that, but that's not the point, but that's not the goal. If it happens, you know it's from God because it's not a part of the plan. What I can say is the goal for me is very simple, is to preach and teach the word of God in all integrity to meet the needs of the people, to be their shepherd, to spend life with them, to be with them when, you know, they're in rough spells, to sit with their loved ones when they're in the hospital, things of that nature. And everything else from there will fall into place. At least that's my, I don't know if you call it wishful thinking, but that's my belief, is that if the word of God is being preached, not watered down, not taken out of context, not emotionalized to tickle the ears of everyone sitting in the seats, not to exalt the people that are sitting there or to tell them that they're worthy or to tell them that they're good. But if the word of God is preached to exalt and glorify Jesus Christ, and if the needs of the people are being met, people are being loved one person at a time, that I think is my goal. And I think that is the simple way to put what I envision for this place. Everything else, we have a new building that's coming up. Uh, hopefully that will break ground on, I think, next month, by the way. Everything that's occurring, everything else is just whipped cream and sprinkles and cherries. I just want the Word of God to be preached. I want it to be preached. I want it to be taught. I want people to treasure it. I guess the ultimate goal is I want to ensure that everyone here at this church, that their name is written in and stays in the Book of Life, that I see them on that day. When it is the last day, the final white throne judgment, when... We enter the gates of the city of heaven, and I see people from the congregation there. That's the goal. I'm going to stop talking, otherwise I'll keep going. Where can people find Christ Church of the Valley? You could find it. I always say Stockdale Avenue, and I know that's wrong. <laughs> highway. Yeah, Stockdale Highway. Yeah, trust me, I'm not used to saying highway when it comes to streets. They just don't, they don't see that in Southern California. Every time I see like Rosedale, Rosedale Highway or yeah. Stockdale Highway, like that would be Avenue or something in you yeah. know, Southern California. But we are on Stockdale Highway, west of Allen, a little before Renfro. That's where you could find us. You know, the big cross streets are Stockdale Highway and Allen Road. But that's where you could find us. You can't miss it. I think we're the only church in the area. I think there is a church that's being built on the other side. I forget the name of the street, but there's another church that's being built. I think it's not going to be ready for a year or two, but west of Allen, we are the only church that's on Stockdale Highway, so you can't miss it. You can't miss the three big crosses as you're driving west. That's where you can find us, or you can find us at ccvbak.com. 
how can people get involved? What services and studies are you guys doing currently? So our main days are Sundays and Wednesdays. Sundays we have a nine o'clock service, a 10.30 service. And for young adults, we meet at 3 p.m. here at the church. For, for middle school and high schoolers, we meet at 6 p.m. here. So Sunday is our main day. And then we also have a Wednesday night dinner. And Wednesday night dinner, we have our men's and women's Bible study. And myself personally, I'm also going through kind of like the basics of the faith on a Wednesday night, right after our Wednesday night dinner. I believe that starts at 6.15. But yeah, next year we'll probably go through how to read the Bible in context or something like that. I, I just felt like for all the new members at the church, I wanted to start off with something pretty basic for our first Wednesday night Bible study. But those are the main days. You can get involved in various ways, not just attending church. You can get involved, first of all, at the events that we have. You know, when we have our harvest carnival for the students, you could get involved in, you know, our holiday market that we have coming up that could be a vendor and you could sell some of your things. So there's, there's many ways that you could get involved that, you know, isn't just, you know, attending the church. I'd love to have more people I can lead a small group. I'd love to have more people that can possibly help me out on a Sunday, give me a break every now and then. <laughs> there's there's plenty of ways to go. You can help out in cooking. If you got a certain thing that, you know, it's a family recipe or something that you take pride in, you could help us by cooking on a Wednesday night and getting involved in that rotation. My wife just figured out how to make actual chicken taste like it's from Chick-fil-A, so... Will she ever cook that on a Wednesday night? Probably not, because I'm probably going to have to help her. So, <laughs> but there's there's plenty of ways to get involved here. If listeners were to walk away with one piece of wisdom, one thing that they should do or just even start doing, what would be that thing that you recommend? I think what I would recommend, and I didn't say this earlier, but mind you, I come from an atheist background. If there is anyone listening who is in the realm of atheism or atheistic thought, skepticism, anything like that. Or for those who do believe, those who are in the faith, those who who do believe in Jesus Christ and do believe that the Bible is the Word of God, my wisdom would be to dive deeper. If you are an atheist, my suggestion would be to look at the evidence that's on our side, because there is evidence on our side. If you are a Christian, I would ask, I know not every Christian is called to it, but, you know, look at the the questions that the skeptics are asking. And, you know, some of them are asked with real skepticism. Some of them are asked in a, you know, more aggressive manner. But look at the questions that they're asking, mainly because a lot of the questions that skeptics ask pretty much have answered or have been answered and have answers to that going and dating centuries back. But... Every single person here in the Western Hemisphere, we have a wealth of knowledge just sitting in our hands every single day, you know, a wealth of knowledge that ironically has poured its way out even onto YouTube with various different content creators. But we have all this evidence and knowledge and wisdom to explore. And the question of, is there a God? And does he care about me? And who is Jesus? Are probably the three most important questions that deserve an answer for every single human being. Every single human being should wonder, is there a God? 
if there is a God, what does he think about me? And what do I do? Who is this Jesus of Nazareth that, whether you like it or not, time is centered around his birth. <laughs> whether you want to call it, you know, before Christ or before the common era, we know what before the common era means. Time and humanity, everything is centered around him. So answering those three questions and looking into the evidence, I would encourage everyone to do that. It's as easy as taking 10 minutes and saying, I am not going to scroll through YouTube shorts. I'm going to look up a video about something. You know what? Instead of binging Netflix, you know, instead of watching 10 episodes, I'll watch nine. And then instead of watching the 10th episode that I'm binging through right now, let me actually discover something about creation, discover something about the Bible that I didn't know before. It's something that I love and I desire to do. I desire and I love to teach things like that to lay Christians without all the student debt that comes from the universities. But at the same time, the era that we live in now, it's not something that I have to do because so many people already do. There's already so much that you, whoever you are that's listening, there's so much scholarship, there's so much there for you to actually explore that people on the other side of the world don't have at their fingertips, but you do. So it's almost like you, I don't want to say have the responsibility of, but you have everything that pretty much has ever been written and you can access it with the click of a mouse or with the tap of your finger. So that would be my, my, my thing is to go deeper, to answer those questions. And if you already believe to look at what the skeptics are asking, mainly because, you know, the Bible has mainly become a meme in our society today. And it's a meme until you actually study it, until you actually find the evidence, until you actually find out that a lot of, I'm not going to say every, but a lot of archaeological discoveries coincide with it. That would be my advice to anyone listening. Thank you again for tuning into this episode of Finding Faith. Oh, what did you think of Pastor L? Is the restorationist movement something that interests you? Are you more willing now to look into both sides of the debates of faith in this day? Does his congregation sound like something that you'd want to be a part of? Let me know in the comments down below. What type of things would you like to hear and experience more? Feel free to leave a comment about that as well. Thank you again so much for your time. And thank you also Shu Hayashi for his donation of the microphone used during this interview process. Thank you again for tuning in. My name is Ian Alexander Tash, and I have faith that you'll be hearing from me again real soon.